your Bibles, if you would please, to Matthew chapter 27 this morning. Matthew chapter 27. I'll begin to read in verse 45. Find it with me before we get started. I'd like for you to read along with me as I read. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabathia, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man called us for lies. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, Let be. Let us see where the lies will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. And when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, as best we know how, Lord, I ask you for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And dear God, I want to say what you'd have me to say. I want your word to reach, and I want the Holy Spirit to deal with every part in this, every human part in this building, every heart. Move us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the beginning. Some 2,000 years ago, one of the cruelest weeks it's ever been. And that is coming up to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. The death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. We celebrate Easter as His resurrection, which is next week. And whether that's the right day it happened on or not doesn't make any difference. What the difference is we celebrate as that day. And it's very important that you understand what's taking place during this week leading up to Jesus' resurrection. The Bible says in verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Luke 23, verse 46 says, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. John 14, verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Here's some very important verses. First of all, simply because no one had ever, had ever done this before. The Bible says over and over again, And they died. Men died all the way through the Scripture. But Jesus... The Bible says, 
gave up his ghost. Now, Jesus had his life, laid down his life, literally, he was passing his spirit back to the Heavenly Father. Now, let's take John chapter here in this account here and see what it says. Notice, John said, is quoted, it is finished. Three little words. It means it's finished. It means it is accomplished. It means it is completed. Jesus was saying, I have completed every detail of redemption. I have accomplished that for which I came into the world to do. I have followed every jot and tittle of the law and the prophets. I have satisfied the righteous in the holiness of the purity of God. I have finished redemption's plan. I believe telestia is the greatest word that's ever been spoken. Notice there are at least four reasons for that. Because it was spoken by the greatest person who ever lived on this earth. That is God in the flesh. Number two, because it was the greatest announcement ever proclaimed. God coming down to die for the sins of man. Number three, because of its scope. That it affected the greatest number of people ever reached by any announcement. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It affected the whole world. You can't go anywhere in this world that this story is not known. Again, it touches every human being from Adam all the way to the end of all mankind. Fourthly, because it declared the greatest victory ever won. Till the last die means declared victory over the forces of hell which were opposed to God's plan of redemption for mankind. In spite of all the opposition Satan could give and all the hell could raise against devices against the seed that was fulfilled in Genesis 3.15 and bruised the serpent head on this day. The Lord Jesus Christ carried out the divine plan and purpose of Almighty God. Salvation, the plan of redemption for man, is complete. Nothing can be added. Jesus paid it all on Calvary's cross. Matthew 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Now remember something. Keeping in mind, Jesus had been hanging on the cross. He had suffered pain and punishment of men with whips and beatings. And now, six hours of hanging there, naked, and his nails scarred hands and feet, pierced. Any ordinary man would have been so weak that he couldn't even utter a word. But the cry from Jesus' lips was not a weakling and a cry of misery or complaint. It was one of majestic victory. When Jesus cried, it is finished, accompanied, completed, till the last eye is done. In Luke 23, verse 46, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into high hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. Jesus died as no mortal man had ever died. In John 10, verse 18, Jesus said, No man taketh my life from me, 
but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. No man can lay his own life down, but God can. No man can take his life up, but God can. Notice Jesus died voluntarily. He willingly laid down his life for sinners like you and I. No man took his life. The Jews demanded his death, but they did not kill him. The Romans crucified him, but the cross did not kill him. The nails in his hands and feet did not kill him. Jesus died the very moment it was appointed for him to die. Not a second longer, not a second before. Only when he could say, Telestiae, his redemption's word, it is finished. Jesus died of his own volition. He simply passed his life back to the Father in heaven. Jesus dismissed his spirit and handed his life back to God the Father. Then in verses 51 and 53, Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, and decried that human eyes should behold his death. I thought about this a many times. Jesus hid the death of his son from all human eyes when he said darkness was on all the face of the earth. Think about it for just a second. Darkness over all the face of the earth and God's Son is dying for the sins of men and no human eye got to behold that death as He went back to heaven because of the darkness. But rendering the veil in the temple was even more spectacular. It meant the end of Judaism. Without the veil... They could not worship that they had worshipped before. you got to remember something. In Judaism, they had the priest. In the temple, they would come in that temple and they'd go behind that temple and worship. And only the priest could go in after order of sacrificing for his own sins of blood of uh, innocent lambs could he go behind that veil before the Holy of Holies. But now... That veil has been rent. And by the way, notice something. Not from man to God, but from God to man. The veil was rent from heaven to earth. Very important. Listen. Because the veil separated man from holy God. The place between man and God. And any man went behind there except the great high priest that was supposed to go behind there after he sacrificed for his own sin. He was allowed there behind the veil. Without the veil, though, now, the Jews could not worship without the temple veil to cover the Holy of Holies. The priests could not offer sacrifices for sin. Uh, without the veil, they could not be uh, no forgiveness in from sin in Judaism. must come to the end, and it did. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 a minute, and I'll show you something. Hebrews chapter 10. I want to begin to read in verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw nigh with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having or 
our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's a wonderful thing when you realize what happened here this day. Jesus came down. He took on a body like a man from a beautiful woman, I'm, I suppose Mary was, but she was a virginous woman, never been with man. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit conceived her in that body. And He came into this world. He lived in that body for 33 years. And He lived an absolutely sinless, perfect life. Now, what's important about that is, is because up to here they had worshipped bulls and goats, the bloods of bulls and goats and, and sheep and so on. And they had brought those animals and sacrificed them by the shedding of their blood and taking that, high, that blood of the innocent one and sprinkling over the head of the guilty one, uh, their sins was put off. Not remissed, but put off. They were looking the same way that we look back to the cross today for the forgiveness of our sin. They were looking forward to the cross of Calvary to come one day. And here it is taking place right before the eyes, and they did not recognize it. Jesus, God in flesh, dying for their sins. Did you know that if you don't, here's an here's important thing. No man can go to heaven without believing that Jesus is God in the flesh. No man. You can't go to heaven without believing that. Jesus is God in the flesh. Here's the reason why. No man can die for your sins. No man can take your sins away from you. The Bible says in Timothy, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I had the opportunity to take the Bible to lead a man to the Lord this week of saving faith in Christ Jesus. And I've had people over and over come up to me and after I led them to Christ and say to me, Preacher, you're the, one to, you're the one that saved me. I said, No, I didn't. I can lead you to the one who can. There is no high priest today. There is no go-between today except one. That's Jesus Christ. And when He rose from the dead here, according to these scriptures, He died on the cross, and then He rose from the dead. Guess where He's at right now? He's seated in the heaven on the right hand of the Holy God to intercede for you and I. Us sinners cannot approach the Holy God. We have sinners. No sin can approach God. We need somebody that approach God for us and intercede for us. And it only one can do that. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ because He had no sin. If you go back to the Jewish uh, rites and rituals that they did at the temple, they had to keep up in a pen these little lambs. And they had to watch those little lambs coming up to this day. And they, had, they could not have a spot on them. They couldn't have a crooked ear. They couldn't have a crooked anything about them, any defect in them whatsoever. It had to be a perfect lamb when they brought it for sacrifice. That typifies the Lamb of God which came into the world of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the perfect sacrifice. And when He died here on the cross, on getting ready to die on the cross here, and He died in the last words He said, it is finished. You know what that means? God has a plan. God has been working from a plan from before the world was ever formed. Before this world ever come into existence, God had a plan. He made this earth, and He put man upon this earth. And He put him in a perfect environment. And when He 
told him not to touch one tree. Don't eat of that one tree. Uh, he did not tempt man. He was trying man because he wanted to know what was in his heart. And when man sinned against God by taking disobeying God, sin came into this world. Sin is passed on to you and I. I was talking to a man one day and I found something in the Bible several years ago. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I said that makes every human being on the face of this earth a sinner. For all have sinned. And I asked a man one day, I said, Before you can get saved by God's grace, you've got to admit to God that you are one, that you're a sinner. And I've asked people, Do you believe you're a sinner? Oh, I'm not that bad. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't robbed, I haven't raped, I, and they're going telling me all the things they haven't done. And I say to them, no, no, you don't understand. That's results of sin. But you are a sinner. Why? Because of sin, period. It's in our bloodline. Did you ever watch a little baby? I love babies. I love little uh, young kids. I just love them to death. They're so innocent, aren't they? I, a big old preacher, ugly me, I come up and they'll come up and hug me. Can you imagine that? You old ladies won't do that. Amen. But I get them like, they don't know any better. Amen. And by the way, I'm very careful about that too. And I want you to understand that. But uh, I like, they're so innocent. They're so innocent. You don't have to teach them how to be mean. You know it? You ever, you ever watch a baby in the cradle? You feed him with a bottle and he's full as a tick and then you, a few minutes, five minutes later, on another bottle. He's lying. He just got filled up. Amen? And the Bible said he's born in this world lying. He's born in this world cheating. He's born as a sinner. And you talk to some people today and you say, the first thing you've got to admit to God before you can be saved, you've got to admit to you, God you're a sinner. Oh, I ain't that bad. Oh, yes, you are. Why? Because it's in your bloodstream. It's in your bloodstream. We're born into sin. Let me ask you something. Why did Jesus come in this world and die? Just think about it for just a minute. Why did He die? My goodness. He could have used some other way. He's God. He could have used any way in the world He wanted to. Just bring men to heaven. But He didn't do that. He obeyed Scripture. Sin bringeth forth death. You remember something. When the Bible says that you will be separated from the face of God forever and ever if you stay in your sins. You will never see the face of God except one time. He's going to send you to hell if you reject Him as your Savior and He'll call you out at the great white throne judgment and say, come up here and stand before the judge. And you'll stand there and He'll say, depart me, I never knew you in the lake of fire. That'll be the second death and you'll never see God again because the Bible says God is life. And without Him there is no life. And so that's the second death. And when Jesus died on the cross, He died to give you life, everlasting life eternal life. That's what He died for. And He died to take your sins away. And by His precious blood are we washed from our sins. Think about that just a minute. In John chapter 3, it talks, it talks about you must be born again. How do you get born again? For goodness sake. And Nicodemus asked Jesus, well, how do you get born again? Can you enter your mother's womb and be born a second time? He said, no. You've got to be born to the water and to the Spirit. That means that when a woman gives birth, 
She, our, our baby's cased in water. She gives birth or birth breaks. She gives four. Uh, that's the natural birth. In other words, you can't get to, you can't go to heaven until you're naturally born. You got to be born first. Amen. And then after you're born first into this world, then the Bible says you must be born to the Spirit also. That's the second birth. I can go back to when I was 26 years old. I come to church. And before I came to church that night, I had men working for me. I was mean as a snake and cuss and raise sin and do all kind of crazy things. But I come on a dare to church and the preacher preached that you must be born again. You must get saved to go to heaven. I said, I want to do that. I want to go to heaven. And I came forward. The man sat down and led me to saving faith in Christ Jesus. And he showed me that Jesus died for my sin. And if I'd ask him to save me, he'd do it. I was 26 years old. I take you back to the exact place, exact time that I asked Jesus to come in my life and be my Savior. That's being born again. Now somebody said, well, I just, uh, I've always been a Christian. No, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. Well, I just grow into salvation. No, you won't. That's not the way it works. Did you come in this world that way? No. One day the doctor said, uh, uh, you're expecting a baby, and you carry that baby for nine months, but when it comes time to be birthed, brother, bam, you're here. I never will forget the first, uh, my wife, my oldest daughter's here. Uh, that's my older daughter there. and But she's here this morning, and I never will forget going to the hospital, and uh, my, my wife, water broke, and they heard her upstairs. And uh, I sat down, went over, sat down, wait, I ain't going in there. These guys go in there nuts. Amen. And so I sat down there and I waited. And I waited and finally the doctor came out and said, uh, you have a beautiful little girl. And I just went back and sat down. Veer, my sister-in-law, was sitting there with me. And she said, what did they say? What did the doctor say to you? I got a beautiful baby girl. Well, don't you? Oh, yeah, let's go see her. I went upstairs. I said, I don't see the lame baby. And we don't have no lame baby. I said, don't you start nothing with me now. My wife's in here and my baby's in here. Don't you start nothing with me. I don't see the lame baby. That was my wife's former name. I forgot I got married. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something. When when that baby come, man, that was the most exciting thing ever happened in my life. But before I could get upstairs, the baby's done it here. Amen? What I'm trying to show you is that baby, a boy born, is bam, you're here, you're born into this world. It's the same way when it comes to being born again. You have to make a decision for Christ Jesus. You have to make a commitment. And giving your life and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you come and say, Lord Jesus, I right here and now accept you as my personal Savior. And I ask you to born me again into the body of Christ. That's when it happens right there. And I know I'm saved because I know when it happened and how it happened. Let me ask you something. Who do you think Jesus was? Was he just a good man? Did you ever notice in the book of John chapter 3 when Nicodemus came to Jesus, Jesus asked him the same question. He said, Master. No, he's not. He's not Master, he's God. Some say he's a good teacher. No, he's not. 
He's all of those things, no doubt about it, but He's also, what you've got to understand is, who died on that cross for you? Was it just another good man dying for a good cause? Not on your life. It was God in flesh. He took on a body and He went there on that cross and He hung between heaven and earth for one reason and one reason only. Jesus said I, Jesus said to Himself, I come into this world to save sinners. Amen. And Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners and I know He comes to save me. No, He's not. He was a sinner just like you and I. And any person, this is a joy of preaching. This is a joy of witnessing. This is a joy of handling God's Word and showing people God's Word is that if you show somebody the plan of God's salvation and you pray with them and ask them to save it, you know it works. Amen. Amen? Why? Because that's God's plan. That's not my plan. It's not a Baptist plan. It's not some other denomination plan. It's God's plan. Amen? I never will forget... As a little boy, I went to a church, and they would have preachers come in, you know, evangelists, they called them to come in and preach, and they'd shout all over the church and have a fit, and they called it speaking in tongues and all kind of stuff and running all over the church, and, and uh, I never will forget it, watching all that take place. And then one day, I heard the truth that Jesus loved me and He died for me. And if I would come to Him for salvation, that He'd save my soul. As a nine-year-old little boy, I was in church and that evangelist came and that holiness church and preached on hell. And I, I could almost feel the flames of fire. The way He was running back and forth and preaching and carrying on. And I said, man, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And the preacher gave an invitation. And down that aisle I came and they laid their hands on me and prayed for me till after midnight. And finally I said, I got it because I wanted to go home. And that was it. And I came in and went out of sin on my way to hell. Didn't even know it. But then when I was 26 years old, a man sat down with the Word of God and said, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all of sin, that means you. And I said, I believe that. Romans 6.23, the Bible says, For all, uh, God wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give it to you as a gift. You can't earn it. You can't give enough money to buy your way into heaven. You can't do enough good deeds to get you into heaven. You can't go to church enough and read your Bible enough and pray enough to go to heaven. All you got to do is receive the blood of atonement of the Lord Jesus as your Savior. And when you do, like Jesus said Himself, it's finished. You can't add to it. You can't take from it. It's over with. Amen? You ever read a good novel? I've only read about three books all the way through. Black Beauty was one of them. <laughs> the other one was John J. Aldebon's biography. If you ain't never read that, you'll read it. That's a good book. The other one's the monarch or dead men's bay. You know what it's about? It's about a little bear being born. Little bit. You know how much a bear weighs? Your big, grizzly bear, you know how much he weighs when he's born? Seven ounces. He ain't as big as a little bitty thing. 
And it was about his life story all the way through. I mean, from the time he was born until he was killed. I ain't going to tell you how he was killed. I'll burn the story for you. Man, what an exciting book. I was living the life of that bear. And at the end, it says, finished. At the end of Black Beauty, it's finished. At the end of every book I've ever read, it's finished. And I read this book, and I come to the end, and it says it's finished. It's finished. All the story, all the things that God wants to accomplish, all the things that God wants to do in this world, God said it is finished. It's done. You know what, folks? If I could get one person in the room today to understand something, if you'll come today and ask Jesus to save your soul, it's finished. It's done. You can be saved. And you never have to lay your head down your pillow again and wonder, if I die in my sleep, where I'll go. You can know. You can know. I wondered about that many times after I was saved. Will I really know? Will I really be at peace? And then one day, I was sitting on the platform with a bunch of preachers in the auditorium. Phil auditorium, I'm sitting up on the... And we had a big banquet that day in the old auditorium. Not in the sanctuary, or what we call the sanctuary, but in the old auditorium. And I was sitting there, and Dr. Rice, my hero, was on one side. Brother Now, my pastor, led me to the Lord on the other side. I was sitting there, and we was eating steak. And I had a tough steak. I always get one of them. Amen. I, I like to get them where you won't have to eat them. And so I sat there and I bit down on that old tough piece of steak and I got it in my throat. And I couldn't get it down. I couldn't get it up. And I took a glass of water real quick and the water ran out of my mouth. Couldn't even get the water down. And I run for the side door and everybody just watching me and the door was locked. Thank God it was locked. I ran across the other and I wanted to get outside because I was embarrassed about it. And I couldn't. And it was locked. And by that time, I was passing out. They took me and me and took me up and shook me up. And they tried everything. They didn't know the Mahimic remover. Uh, get it out of you. Thing. And they didn't know how to do that at that time. But they tried every way in the world. And finally, my wife got her hand down in my throat and got it. And I breathed. But in that split second, I knew it's okay. I don't want to leave my wife and family. I remember telling my Lord that just as plain as day. I don't want to leave my wife and family, but I'm ready. I'm ready. And I started breathing. Now that's not dying, going to heaven, floating around somewhere and seeing you said that's a bunch of baloney. Because the Bible says once appointed to men to die and after this is judgment. But I almost did. And I had that sweet assurance that only God can give. Here's what I'm saying. I wouldn't want to live another second without that. This world's too much of a mess. I want to know that if I die today, I go to heaven. Amen. And you can know. And if you'll come in a few minutes, I'll take the Bible and show you how. You don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. And I can show you exactly what he said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe what? 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody believes on the Lord. Everybody knows Jesus died. How many of you in here don't believe that Jesus died? Not a one. Ask any human being you come in contact. They will say, yeah, that's some unusual person died back there some years ago. No, he was God. Do you believe that? Then the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means put all your dependence to go to heaven on Jesus. I like what old one old preacher said. He said it's like taking a rope, maybe in, by faith and swinging out over hell and saying, if I perish, Jesus is your fault because I'm trusting you with all my strength. Amen. That's salvation. That's what God calls salvation in the Bible. Trust in Jesus to save you. That's it. No big deal. Just do it. Amen. But it takes a time. It takes a time in your life that every man has to come to. It says, today I'll make my decision. Today I'll make my commitment to the Lord. Will you do it? Stand with me. Heavenly Father, it's been a good day already. You've blessed as we've taught in Sunday school and loved our people as they come in. Watch them shaking hands, hugging one another. Love is a beautiful thing. But greater love has no man than this, and laid down his life for a friend. 